this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We tape Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. We're grateful for the support of Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital, a physician-owned hospital where doctors have direct involvement with every aspect of care provided to their patients. Its reputation for excellence in patient comfort, safety, and overall treatment is reflected in an average patient satisfaction rating of 98% or higher. Visit LafayetteSurgical.com to find out more. Discover Lafayette is also made possible with the support of Home Bank, who wants to ensure that you protect your identity and your assets. When you make a payment with the paper check, you're handing over all of your personal or business information, plus your bank account number. While you may find an occasional reason to write a check, when possible, choose to pay with cash, debit, or credit cards, or with your phone's mobile wallet. You can stay ahead of identity thieves and protect your finances that way. Learn more at home24bank.com. Home Bank, member FDIC. Our guests are Mary Broussard Perrin and Beverly Constantine Fuselet, authors of Healing Traditions of South Louisiana. This book provides the fascinating history about South Louisiana's traditional healing arts from the dawn of civilization to today. Part one is about traitors, their prayers and rituals. Part two presents the native medicinal plants that grow wild in South Louisiana, their properties and traditional uses. Both Mary and Beverly are traiteurs and work with healing plants, occasionally making medicine, as they say, when the need arises. And they are both dedicated. Both women, right before we taped, worked all morning at the healing garden at Vermilionville. And before I say welcome to Discover Lafayette, I want you to know that I've looked forward to this opportunity. You provide a very vivid snapshot of our rich community, our culture, and the people that make Lafayette Parish and our our region special. Mary, Beverly, thank you for joining Discover Lafayette. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and you really did just come in. You changed shirts, but you guys have been working. (laughs) The girls have been working. You know, women have been working all morning. And you both look good. You don't have frizzy hair like I would. (laughs) It's been brushed. (laughs) Well, tell me about yourselves. Before we get into the book, let's start with you, Mary. Um, Tell me about your background, where you grew up, and anything you want to share. Uh, I grew up right here in Lafayette. Um, I'm one of the few natives. uh, In the 60s, I think a lot of people in the oil industry moved in from other places. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am a native. Um, I went to UL. Uh, I majored in art, and I have a master's degree in visual arts. Um, but lately, I've been—I'm uh, a master Lafayette Parish master gardener, and I spend Monday every Monday working at the Healers Garden in Vermilionville, which is a garden with 50 native Louisiana medicinal plants that have been here, they're documented to have been here for 150 years. And they have amazing qualities. Beverly will tell you all about that. I mean, they have amazing qualities, antibiotics, anticoagulants, mm-hmm. antiviral, anti-everything that's good, all the antis you could possibly want, uh, plus other things that you can't put an anti in mm-hmm. front of. Um, they're just amazing. Mother Nature's medicine cabinet is full. So we uh, that's how I know Beverly. We're both master gardeners. We are also both folk healers. And in South Louisiana, the folk healers are called traiteurs. Uh, that's a French word. It's very simple. It just means a person who treats. Mm. So we treat for uh, whatever ails you, ail- whatever you come down with. Uh, we treat illness, and we treat wounds, and we treat warts, and we treat bl- nosebleeds, sunstroke. We treat it all. And um, it's, it's just been very fulfilling. I became a traitor 
before I started working at the Healer's Garden, which has been about 12 years now, I guess, that I've been at the Healer's Garden. But becoming a traiteur made me want to work with the plants. So that's how I arrived at right. where I am today. Right. And Beverly, um, I want you to talk about yourself. Tell us where the garden is at Vermillionville and your connection with Mary. It's it's a beautiful connection. It, but it, tell it us is. about yourself. Okay, I was also born and raised here in Lafayette, attended local schools, and you, it was USL at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the tradition of being a healer, a traiteur, uh, does come down in my family. So it goes back a few generations, and then it flipped over to an in-laws family. But I've always been around it. I was treated as a child and um, knew that it existed and, and the tradition of it. Mary and I, okay, our connection, well, I was also a traitor before I graduated from the Master Gardener class, and I was actually raised uh, in River Oak subdivision, yeah. and I would, we crossed that little coulee to go play at what was then Beaver Park. Yeah. They still had a lot of woods, and that's exactly where Vermilionville is right now. They took all those woods out, but um, it just... Huh. Verm- yeah, Vermilionville. It had a calling when I graduated from that little class, that Master Gardener class. We, you are asked where you would like to volunteer because everybody is obligated to give some mm-hmm. volunteer hours to the community. So I knew immediately I wanted to work there because it's um, it's not just going back in time as a tourist would see it, but especially on Monday mornings, it's so quiet because it's closed. So we work on Monday mornings, oh, okay. and the minute you pass that gate, that there's a wooden, a little wooden gate, and uh, it your your mind turns off everything mm-hmm. else. And I know that my hands are going to be in the ground. You know, we all know we about to either pull weeds or plant something or talk about the plants. But when you walk in there, it uh, it's, it gets quiet for some reason, and it shouldn't because the airport's right there, the highway's right there. But you just focused on something different. So the garden is actually located um, coming down the main walkway after mm-hmm. you come into Vermilionville. You're going to take a right. And I guess we have about four houses down on the right. And there is a sign. It's Le Jardin de Traiteur, or the Healer's Garden. And they call the house um, Maison Maison du Traiteur. Du Traiteur. So the healer's house. And we, can, that's, we can go visit? If oh, we just, yeah. If we just drive up, we can visit? Uh, and you go in, in Vermilionville. Right. I mean, it's yeah. part of Vermilion. But, yeah, but there's anybody. no charge to the, walk in. Uh, you just go visit. I think there's a fee, too. Yeah, to go a, in? Vermilionville yeah. does charge a fee, yes. And I don't know what it is I think anymore. it's $5. It's, well, I'll look it up and put it in the show yeah. notes. But right. I have never seen this. I just I haven't seen the the garden and and, well, the, and the house yeah. the traitor. The best time to come uh, is at one of the for one of the culture days, which take place over the summer. Uh, there's four: uh, Native American Day, uh, Acadian Day, Creole Culture Creole Day, culture day mm-hmm. and Earth Day, and that's when there are people. Uh, that can give you tours and explain everything for. I mean, you can go any day of the week except Monday and tour it yourself. Uh, and they'll give you for the healer's garden. They'll give you a brochure. You uh-huh. have to ask for it. You have to know to ask for it. And then you can um, tour the garden and look at the pictures in the book and see, you know, what mm-hmm. the names are and everything. But um, the culture days are, you know, really the best. I want to ask both of you, your traitors, and you can both pronounce it better than me, your female traitors. So would you pronounce that for me? Okay. It's it's not easy. <laughs> the male form of the French word, French words are male or female. Uh, the male form is traiteur, mm-hmm. and you kind of roll that R, that traiteur, R, yeah. and the female form of the word is traiteuse. S-E. It sounds like a Z sort of at the end, mm-hmm. if I'm even pronouncing it right, but I think I am. Uh, it ends in S-E, but it's traiteurs. You both talked about, well, Beverly, you talked about having it passed down through a family of yes. sorts. And and Mary, you mentioned you became a traiteurs later. Right. Is this a body-mind-spirit connection? Like, I know you can't tell us 
exactly how it's passed you, but you oh, have to be... Oh, we can tell you how well, it got passed. Okay, well, was. how is it passed on? <laughs> I, I thought it might be a secret. Uh, no, the secret point. is the prayers. We don't we don't divulge the, the words to the prayers, but um, it's well known how it's passed from one okay. person to the other. If it's within a family, it can be from an older person in the family to a younger. It doesn't matter the sex. Um, it can be a mother to a daughter or a granddaughter or a niece or a nephew or a son. It doesn't matter. Uh, but in the community, if there's no one in your family to pass it on to you, but you're still interested, um, in, you can find someone in the community, and uh, an older man will pass it on to a younger woman, and an older woman will pass it on to a younger man. And in my case, it was an older man, and his name is Alan Seymour. I think he's about 84. He's still he's very still vibrant, Good. still treating. As far as I know, he still volunteers um, at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital, and he, he's an ecumenical minister. He brings communion to patients, but if you ask him to treat you when you're a patient, mm -hmm. he will. And sometimes doctors ask for a treatment, and oh he treats gosh. them as well. How beautiful. We, we talked is. about this before we started taping. Both of my daughters, you know, they're 30 and 23 now, but they, as younger girls, had warts. We'd go to the doctor. They'd be burned, like, a lot, and they never went away. So we finally turned to trait tours for both of them, and they were healed. And coming from Baton Rouge, I had French. You know, my family was French, but I didn't know about this. I don't know if this is a South Louisiana tradition, or is it just a French tradition? It's a Cadian. It's Cajun. It's it's a Cajun tradition. I do believe. I don't know of any personally, but I do think Creole and Black people uh, have the tradition as well. Just maybe not as much as the Cajun community. Mm -hmm. What is your experience, Beverly? Well, or uh, your knowledge. In, uh, I did uh, it, in the research that I did. I did come across Black people did have this tradition. And they, um, just like everybody else, way back when, there were lines in front of their houses, and they um, often made little teas or tinctures that, you know, they would give their patients, they considered mm -hmm. them patients. So that was, that's been my experience on, and, and yes, it is a Cajun tradition, but... I believe we both discovered, Mary and I, that they, this was going on in Nova Scotia, that they mm -hmm. had some, this same type oh, of, um, it, is it was brought same. down and it, the name was different and possibly other parts of it were different. But this tradition of healing and healing with prayers uh -huh. is not, it didn't just start with us. But um, the prayers are very Catholic. I don't know how much you know about it. but And I do know Mary talked about becoming one. You have to ask someone to pass this down to you. You may, in, in my case, um, I was getting some mixed signals from in my brain. Somewhat, some dreaming oh. and things like that is what was happening to me, but I knew it was in my family, but they didn't, no one never approached me and said, you need to do this. I knew that if I wanted this, I had to ask a traitor. So you don't force it down on anybody. Although I have heard several people say, man, my grandma wanted me to be the one. She kept telling me really? I was the one, but, and they didn't accept it. They didn't want it. Uh -huh. But uh, I do know that it's something that you have to want. Right. Uh, it's right. not forced on anybody. And I want to get into the book. We're going to take a break in a minute. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you both, what are the most common things that people will go to a traitor if they have, I guess it's mainly health. It could be uh, physical or mental, maybe. But yes. what, what do people typically ask for when maybe they've hit a wall and they know that prayer and a traitor is really their, their hope for a better outcome? For me, it's been most a lot of shingles, oh. but I do have people that come for anxiety oh. and, and me too. Uh, things yep. like that. And I got to be honest with you, 
that is very, those prayers are very successful because I get phone calls back. No one is supposed to call and thank us. Right. But I do You're not get, supposed to accept What they that, say but. to me is like uh, one man told me, uh, he had been asked me to pray for someone else and he said, you're three for three, you know, so <laughs> that's, that's great. But warts, yeah. like you said, your daughter's the warts, the shingles, anxiety. Um, what about pains? Like uh, Pain, back pain. I, I get a foot lot. pain, like I have a back of my ankle. Pain. Just, Maybe before y'all leave, I'm going to ask you. For, <laughs> just, oh, you get two for the sh- price of one. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. I feel blessed. I just right treated now. a lady for foot pain. Yes, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. And back pain. I get a lot for okay. those. Right. What do you That's, say, Mary? Uh, I have had quite a few. Well, not. I mean, this. It's not like we treat somebody every single yeah. day. It, it might be once every what three weeks. Yeah, you think. A long time ago, it was different. Uh, it was harder to get to a doctor for, for many people. Uh, couldn't afford doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, it's, it's easier. So there's fewer of us, and we have fewer people asking for it. But people are really interested in the tradition. Mm-hmm. Not that they want to, you know, come and have us treat them, but um, they're certainly welcome to. But uh, so people that hear this could reach out. Um, sure, sure, and this? we don't have to do it in person. That's what I wondered. I think it's. I like to do it in person better. I get a better feel, although I don't have to have a perfect feel like exactly who you are and what's wrong with you. I don't even need to know what's wrong with you. I mean, it's prayers. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you just pray for what ails you, I guess. But you can call me at our Beverly, and we will um, we can treat you over the phone, or we we can hang up and treat you tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, or later, or whenever. It doesn't have to be face to face. But I think it I, I like it better face to face, and I think um, it's appreciated and maybe works better when you do it face to face. Some healers right. like Beverly have healing hands that miraculously warm up when they treat. How about that? Um, the man who passed it on to me, Alan Seymour, his hands warm up when he treats. His brother, Claude, is a traitor. His hands warm up when they treat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very comforting, and there's just something so powerful about human touch. Even if your hands don't, like mine, don't warm up, human touch is very comforting and healing. I think about the Bible and talking about we're here on earth to be God's hands. Like we're we're the physical manifestation yes. of God. And that's what I've, I've always thought a traitor was. Once mm-hmm. I saw the miracles that happened in my family, because I'd never been exposed to this, but I, I was desperate for my daughters and it worked. But I realized later as my faith grew that our hands are the, we're the embodiment of God in human form. I mean, and I don't know if that... One is of the, what you my think. Famous, uh, not famous. One of my favorite sermons, just you know, and sometimes your mind wanders during that part yeah. of the mass. <laughs> but um, uh, a certain priest, local priest, said, "You people have got to remember that Jesus is." In present in everyone, but he needs some physical help here. He needs you to use your hands. He said, "I don't care for what. Just use your hands. Remember mm-hmm. that they, that that's that's Christ's little fingers doing its work." And mm-hmm. it stuck with me. I heard that years and years ago, mm-hmm. and it I've, I never forget it. Yeah, I think of it, about beautiful. it all the time. And and when Jesus healed, he used his hands. He put his fingers in the ears of a deaf man. And healed him. He put his hands, and he even um, spit on his fingers when before he put them into the man's ears. He also spit on on the dirt and made a little paste and rubbed it on a blind man's eyes. And when he told the man to open his eyes, um, the 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 mud fell off, and he didn't see quite perfectly clearly at that time. And then. He, so he said, people look like trees, is what I remember. This is in Mark, I believe. Um, so he did it one more time, and then after that, his vision was perfect. So Jesus had, he was like the godfather of all traitors who used their hands right. to heal. And it sounds like you guys, both of you and other traitors, are going back to your source. 
you know, God. You're going back to your source. Right. And we don't, <coughs> we're, uh, we don't want people to say thank you. That's one of the traditions because you don't thank us. We're not the ones who heal you. It's God who heals you. And we are just a pipeline. We are a conduit for the healing power of God. And that's why you can't accept thanks, thanks. Right. or payment. Any payment whatsoever. That right. was a tradition too. <clears throat> I do know way back in the day, sometimes people would bring a chicken to a traitor or some vegetables uh-huh. and they could right. leave it on the porch. But as for the exchange of money, no, right. that never happened. I know of one case where a man, I think it was in Butte La Rose or Parks, started accepting money. He had a wonderful oh, no. practice. <laughs> I mean, people were lined up. So he thought, well, this is. I can make money here. And the word on the street is, I heard this from another traitor who's from the same town as this man. She, and she remembered that. She's a much older lady. And she remembered it. And she said, you know what? When he started accepting money, his treatments didn't work anymore. So that's pretty miraculous, too. Yeah, yeah. and I've heard that, too, that you don't thank, you just accept. Right. right. But it's, it's a God-given gift. I want to hear about your book, Before we do, we're going to talk about healing traditions of South Louisiana. First, we always look back at a past interview. And Mary, hope you don't mind this. I'm bringing up an interview I did with your husband, Warren Perrin, from several years ago. Warren is a well-known attorney, and he lifted weights at uh, SLI, I guess, UL. It was was USL at the time in the 60s. Yeah, Well-known weightlifter. But the thing that I like about Warren is... He puts himself into everything he does, just like you are. In this interview that we had with Warren Perrin, we looked back where he pushed the Queen of England to apologize for the deportation of the Acadians back in the 1700s. And uh, he's been a diehard promoter of the Acadian culture for the past few decades. That's a good description. (laughs) That's how I look at Warren. But anyway, he also stayed on the Queen of England tirelessly to get her and Britain to apologize for the deportation of the Acadians from Nova Scotia. And the Queen of England, Elizabeth, that just recently passed away, signed a proclamation granting that apology on December 9th, 2003. So I want to pull up this clip. And I want to thank Facet for bringing us this moment. FACET is a career coaching and talent management firm who has helped the employees of hundreds of companies improve performance, find or move into their right position or change careers. FACET can help your organization improve both the analytical and interpersonal sides of your business. Worry less, FACET more. For more information, visit facetgroup.com. And now the moment with Warren Perrin. It violates every basic rule Mm -hmm. of uh, human rights that you can find, but it it flied in the face of what the petition of right under the British law said: you could not deport a citizen except by act of parliament. So it it just violated all sorts of British laws. And the best decision I made was never to seek compensation mm-hmm. or damages. Then it it had gotten mixed up as like a greedy lawyer, you know. So we never sought anything but an apology. And. Um, the Queen of England, the crown, is represented by the governor general, who is, the, as the queen is the titular head of government, mm-hmm. so is the, a pro, the uh, governor general. We got lucky. The first governor general who was an Acadian was Romeo LeBlanc, was appointed during this time, so that didn't hurt. I got mm-hmm. to be friends with him. He actually came to Louisiana when we had the World Acadian Reunion here in 1999. Uh-huh. So... I had private meetings with him. We could plan strategy. He had to be careful because he represents the queen. He couldn't speak for her, but Mm -hmm. he certainly opened a lot of doors for us. How exciting. There's a wonderful photo of you on the Acadian Museum website where you're holding the framed proclamation. So I, I just cannot imagine the joy you must have felt at that moment. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. We're here with Mary Broussard Perrin, and Beverly Constantine Fuselet, authors of Healing Traditions of South Louisiana. So both of you had laid the groundwork for what a traitor is and traditions in South Louisiana. You also talked about your connection through the Master Gardeners and how you both volunteer for the Healing Garden 
at Vermilionville. I'm not sure if we should start maybe with you, Beverly, to talk about not only what you do in gardening, but the healing herbs. I'm going to let you guys go back and forth, but this is your interview. What are healing herbs? What what do you use in your practice? And honestly, what what you know, South Louisiana is a treasure trove of uh, hidden surprises. Certainly is. Um, th- yes, our book does contain part two, the second section. It's called Healing Plants of South Louisiana. There are sixty eight plants listed in um, part two. They are they include shrubs, trees, or weeds that we pull out every day, and the very small understory little forest plants that we most of us never even get to see. Um, they were all listed in a thesis. We know they were used by the Creoles and the Acadians, or Arcadians, and also in my research I found um, a very similar pattern of usage by the Native Americans of this area. So Mary and I, on our own, have come to the conclusion that the Native Americans had to share this information with us. Um, How so? Wait, well, elaborate because, on that. Just because it, it was the same things. Right. It, I can. I would get to finished looking at what the Creoles and Acadians used, and then I I just dug a little bit deeper. I, I was fortunate to come across some books that had Native American um, remedies and uh, mm-hmm. you know illnesses, the curatives in their illnesses, and it they were I mean down the line if we used it as an anti-inflammatory, they had used it as an inflammatory. If they treated worms, stomach ailments or toothaches, mm-hmm. we found, you know, we were using it for the same things. So we just, it was, it's too close. We feel like we had to all be using it. Now, you asked me something pretty specific about 68 different plants. So I'll try to cover it quickly. Um, what I did was I did include the common names that were used in this area, the local French names, and the Latin binomial. Like that Latin binomial will guide people if they want to research any more on their own. It will get them to that particular genus and species of the plant because while plants may be in the same genus, when you get down to the species, they can differ and totally, totally different. One will have medicinal compounds, the other one none at all. Mm -hmm. Okay, you wanted me to touch on the medicinal compounds. They are different. The plants can carry these qualities in only the leaves. They may carry it in the leaves, the stems, and the bark. Others, it comes from the roots and the stems. So each plant was identified in that way. We were able to get some really good descriptions and recipes from this thesis, and that's kind of the way we broke them down. I, we, I don't venture into modern medicine too much, except for the plants that have, they're just working miracles right now because they are being researched by right. si- the scientific community, diabetes, Big one, really? bitter melon. Yes, bitter it's, melon, and it's becoming. Oh my gosh! It's fantastic, and I keep thinking, what a wonderful discovery this would be, especially in our area. We just that disease is we prevalent down lot. here. Is right. that a scientific discovery? It lowers, yes, it this, lowers blood sugar. Oh my gosh! That, bitter I mean, melon. These plants are all amazing. I mean, that one sounds really more amazing than others, but but they because of our high prevalence and many yes. of them. Diabetes. Uh, have more than one quality. Almost right. all of them have yes. more than one quality. Um, they may be used for one thing more than anything else, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't heal, you know, three or four or five other things. And it's also probably the combination of qualities mm-hmm. that all come together and just really make the healing so miraculous. I have it just to ask. Seems miraculous. So these herbs, the 68 plants and herbs and all that you're growing, are these in danger of going on the endangered species list of plants? Is no. that why you have yeah. your healing garden to perpetuate the, that's these? That's one of the reasons. Uh, one Where of can the people another reason is because through this 1933 LSU thesis that we based the garden on that mm-hmm. Beverly touched on. Um, on the, th- we'll the, the um, author, Charles Bievenu, 
um, was interested in healing plants. And what he was doing with the thesis was documenting the French of the black Creoles of St. Martin Parish. Uh, he was a, a linguist, and so he wanted to document this French, which um, these black people had come from Africa through Haiti, and so there was a particular kind of French spoken there, so he wanted to document that. But So he needed to elicit their language to, to study it, so he asked them a series of questions that they would have to answer with more than a yes or no answer. Mm -hmm. And he was interested in medicinal plants, so he asked them questions like, how did your mother treat you when you had a cold? How did your mother treat you when you had a flu? What did she do when you cut yourself and you were bleeding? Uh, what, you know, what did she do? And so they would answer. They all had answers, apparently. Um, and very simple answers, like a one or two sentence answer. She uh, used this particular plant and she made a tea and, and she told me to drink it twice a and day. And it worked. And, and it worked. Yeah. That's all they had. They had no doctors. Mm -hmm. You know, doctors either didn't want to treat black people or if they charged, the black people couldn't afford it. So they had to know these things. And I think they, we both think they learned it from the Indians. When people other than uh, Native Americans first came here, they didn't have the luxury of time of testing all the myriad of plants they found surrounding them in this lush area. Um, it, it was kind of an emergency. We need to know this now for, you know, right. when someone has pneumonia right. tomorrow, we need to know how to treat them. And I'm pretty sure that the Native Americans were generous enough uh, and the Acadians who came down here had a relationship with the Native Americans or what they call First Nations people mm -hmm. uh, in Canada. They, were, they had a good relationship with the Native Americans. They never tried to take their hunting lands or mm -hmm. tried to kill them off and, and just take, their, take their, all their property. They knew that they needed the Native Americans for what they knew. They knew they needed them to stay alive, and so they had very good relationships, and when they came down here, they used those same skills, and I'm fairly certain, I'm 98% certain, that that's how they learned what was which, which plants were medicinal right. down here. Did I read that the Mi'kmaq Indians might have guided the Acadian oh. settlers down to South Louisiana? I had the opportunity, my daughter... Taylor was in eighth grade at the academy, and we, we went to Canada, and we got to see, you know, not only the sister school, but we got to see, like, the Mi'kmaq Indians, where they live today. But um, I didn't realize all this connection with the Indian, uh, the Native Americans, I should say. Native Americans, they weren't called Indians, but Native Americans from Canada helping <clears throat> Acadians get down safely to this and region. They had a great relationship with them. I had there. no idea they about were, that. They are encouraged. I uh, was fortunate enough to be invited to a few Native American ceremonies down here by a young woman who had traveled several times to Nova Scotia uh -huh. and met a lot of people. And she said um, that older uh, people that she spoke with, older Native Americans, the she said they they told her that at one point uh, the Native Americans uh, the chiefs would encourage their daughters to marry really? these Frenchmen. They were. She. I said, well, why would they do that? She mm -hmm. said because they were a little bit bigger. The Frenchmen hmm. had a little, were a little broader of shoulder. Oh, good and, genes. And the gene, yeah. they wanted to combine this gene pool, mm -hmm. and um, it must have worked very well. In fact, that's what she thinks. That was part of the saving grace <clears throat> of the Acadians down here was that a lot of them had a look. Yeah. A, a look of that, that there was mismatch somewhere in there. That, that there was an, um, yeah. she used the word Indianness, so I wouldn't know how to say it in Native, yeah. Native Americanness, but she said there was a look about them and it, it helped them down here in their dealings with the Native Americans mm -hmm. in South Louisiana. And they intermarried. The first Acadians who came over from France were all men. So, I mean, the Mi'kmaq people were very open to these white men. I mean, they must have seen uh, there's something here that, you know, yeah. we can benefit by 
also by knowing these people. They were trustworthy. And so they intermarried. Uh And and because of this, they became extremely healthy, probably healthier than they were in France. And uh, when women finally came and, um, you know, married the, by that time, mixed race uh, Frenchmen, um, they, they started having a lot of babies, big, giant families. It was nothing for a, a mother to give birth to 14 children. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? They were so healthy. Oh, no. And it's freezing cold up there. And yet they, were, they just had abundant health mm-hmm. and vitality. It was amazing. Whereas the Puritans, who, who lived very close by, just a little bit south, um, were sickly, and they didn't have the relationship with the Indians. They mm-hmm. they were afraid of the Indians, and I think they killed the Indians, and you know they just didn't have a good relationship. They would have one or two children, and often they wouldn't make it to adulthood. So um, just their relationship with the Native Americans, they they knew how to form a relationship with the Native Americans uh, up there. And then they used what they learned, and they did the same thing again down here. I'm certain of it. Wouldn't this be a great movie? Oh, gosh, yes. Would that be a great movie? <laughs> it hasn't movie been done. It really hasn't been done. healing traditions of South Louisiana into a biography about, about our culture. I mean, I don't think most people know about all this. I well, love it's, it's the story. Shame. I love it. When you it's, do your uh, test, your DNA, mm-hmm. Uh, Cajun people, Acadian people, Cajun people, all have a couple of percentage points of Native American. And, you know, you you can go back as far as you know your grandparents, Mm -hmm. your great-grandparents, maybe your great-great-grandparents. None of them married Native Americans. Where did this come from? Well, that's where it came from. And that beautiful skin. Yeah. That that hardy complexion and and brilliance. Yes. Acadian people are so, Acadians are resilient. Yeah. I, that's what I think this book, it's it's an honor. It, it honors our ancestors. And it, it brings children and older adults into this world that they don't know anything about. But after having done all this work on this book, I've, I realized how brave and persistent. Mm-hmm. And I think about those plants when those mothers finally got to learn about them. I mean, what mother doesn't want to help her child who's running high fever? And they could go out in the yard and and know what what to pick and how to use these things. They just they were special, special, and and I I feel like we we honor them to you know to try to br- bring people's memories out, bring them closer to that kind of tradition, and mm-hmm. remember that this happened here. Right, and, and it still and is we, happening, and we inherited it. Right. It's, right. it's in our blood. So let's talk about that. You know, I know that you just got in from the Vermilionville Garden, the healing garden, but what are your most used plants and how can some of us either buy them, the herbs, or grow what you recommend that we have? Like, can y'all take okay. off on that? Like, how can I'll we all incorporate this? I'll start with elderberry this? because now you can get elderberry gummies, elderberry syrup, at uh, Drug Emporium. I love uh, Drug know, Emporium. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, you, it, it's, it's around. To go. It's around. How the much? Like tree, you just take a, a certain... Oh, I think, uh, I think you chew two gummies a day. Uh, the syrup, I make my own, and it was it's like two tablespoons. Mm-hmm. I make my husband take two tablespoons, yeah. too. What does it do to help um, you? Elderberry is one of the plants that has healing qualities, medicinal value in every single part. And that might be the only one that I researched. I know there are many more healing plants out there than what I was able to include, but it from that the very end of the babyest of the leaves all the way down to the roots, it is truly a medicine cabinet in one shrub. What symptoms does it okay, address? Um, the biggie for me, I think, is anti-inflammatory okay. because it's simple. It's so simple. That's in, It's in the leaves. It's in several parts, but it's really concentrated a lot in the leaves. Oh. And you can grab you some leaves, put it on a sore joint, and I, I tell people to um, macerate the leaves a bit to release some oil and then also use like um, an olive oil. It, it helps. Or any, any of the oils that we're using mm-hmm. now, 
and uh, get it, put it on top. And I can attest to the fact that it works really? because it, it does work. I have used it on a, a twisted knee there uh-huh. and uh, absolutely. And then the gummies and it's a general all around, just the syrup is just for good health all around, but it, it's full anti Bacterial, antimicrobium, vitamin A, B, and C is in the elderberry. Mm. It's it's just when she talked about all the antis, it's the one that has the most. Right. What and do you think, one, Mary? One a miraculous part of the uh, thing that elderberry does is it prevents sunstroke. We can't figure out how this works, but if you take some leaves and put them on your head and put your hat on top of them. You, it will prevent sunstroke. And sunstroke was, I think, far more common a long time ago when people didn't have air conditioning and they were outside all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a real com- That's what Beverly was treated for when she was a child. She had sunstroke. Yes. And so I think it was uh, something that was co- it commonly happened to people, and mm-hmm. it was something that traitors commonly treated and was a fairly miraculous treatment. Mm-hmm. Beverly can tell you about being treated. Okay, the first time I was treated, I was uh, about nine years old, and I had I would get sunstroke. You know, you ran outside barefoot and in the sun all day long. So I was I had been in bed for a day or so. I remember this well because I was old enough. Bad headache. My mother had the room dark and all the shades drawn like you're supposed to do. And then my aunt came over and she treated me for sunstroke. And it was my first my first time. I was lying in bed. And they were, you know, adults standing over you, you know, yeah. around the bed. Scared me a little bit at first, but I was feeling so bad it didn't scare me for long. So my aunt finished saying the prayers, and she would touch you. And um, she didn't have any leaves or anything. I know some people use china berry leaves when they're mm-hmm. treating for sunstroke. But I do remember she finished the prayer, touched me on the forehead. I just turned my head to the left, fell asleep, and when I woke up, that terrible headache was gone. I hadn't slept in a day and a night just because it hurt so bad. And, you know, we had baby aspirin back there, the little pink ones, and I'm sure that's what my mother was giving me, but it was, uh, I I remember how quickly it worked that I, I literally turned my head on the pillow and fell asleep. I want people to know how to read the whole book, like Healing Traditions of South Louisiana, Prayers, Plants, and Poultices. Am I saying that right? Poultices. So I'm looking at the cover, and I see a traitor behind a young person, and there's a circle, and I'm thinking that spirit... Salt. Uh, Salt. So Sugar. It's a it's a George Rodrigue painting that but it looks the like foundation allowed salt, us right? to use. Yeah. And the traitor and his patient are inside a magic a circle. circle of salt. So traitors heal um, with prayers and with hands, um, but sometimes also uh, a little what we call white magic. That's what I thought. So that's a healing circle of salt, or it could have been flour. It doesn't matter what was used, but it's a healing circle of salt or whatever, and it goes way, way back in the history of Mm -hmm. folk healing. You can find instances of it 2,000 years ago. It's just been handed down Mm -hmm. orally, the, the tradition, over the generations until mm, this painting was done by George Rodrigue in the 1970s when so he there was, were a lot more traitors. Uh, he, he was aware of the magic and the, the, oh, well, the yes. faith so behind the, traitors. The man, in the, the traitor in the painting's name was Doc Moses, and he actually painted him and talked to him. So he, he knew what he was doing, and he's, he's, uh, the boy is being treated for earache, and he's putting his fingers in the boy's ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and the healing circle um, was there to hold the healing power in while he treated him. Did either of you learn things you didn't know were available to you as a traitor, traitors, as you wrote this book? Did you become aware of things that expanded your knowledge of how to help others? Uh, the plants for me, because that was 
particularly what I was focusing on, but I, I started to realize how many traiteurs at one time did use plants in their mm -hmm. rituals, I will call it, um, or their treatment. They would sometimes have branches of things and rub it on people. Uh, and then, again, they made teas and sent people home with teas or poultices. And a poultice was just like um, a plant bandage. Mm -hmm. They would use the leaves and place it directly on the skin. Or I also read where they would make the teas with the leaves and soak cotton. And then they could wrap a wound with uh, that particular tea that was good, mm -hmm. either antibacterial and antiviral, and keep that cloth on. But I did learn that, and that I had never seen, I was not aware of. Mm -hmm. I knew about the hand, use of hands, and uh, I, for some reason I knew about that china berry. I think it's because I had relatives who put it in their hats before they would work on the in the fields. Both of my grandparents oh. were farmers, and it kept it, it would keep it extra cool. It was they like didn't an get insulation. Sunstroke. Yeah, yeah, because they all wore straw hats, and that allowed a little bit of sun in. Right. But it it performed that task of. Yeah. Okay, tell the story about the blood stopping. <laughs> okay, <laughs> blood blood stopping. This was a prayer, a very powerful prayer that is still around. Uh, my father was a young man on his at his parents' farm. My grandfather was a rice farmer in Acadia Parish. And in the course of harvesting the rice, there was a wagon, and they, you know, would help each other. Neighbors would come in. Well, one man had uh, got a severe cut on his in his groin area, unfortunately, by the main artery. And so he oh. was, they had laid him on the ground and everybody was trying to press in, but they expected him to die. Mm -hmm. It was that kind of injury. So my grandfather told my dad, get on your horse, let's get, let's go. And so he and my dad took off on their horses and there was a Native American who treated, he had a blood stopping uh Prayer. prayer. So they make it to the Native American, and my grandfather immediately relates, and what did they need? So my dad said the man, you know, immediately started to pray. He remembered one word from that prayer. Well, they come back, and at this point, they have loaded the man in the wagon. They were bringing him to the house. Of course, they were trying to find a doctor, but the, you never knew where right. the doctor was. So they get back to the house. The man is still alive, lo and behold, and the bleeding has stopped. So my grandfather said, asked them, well, when, in French, of course, when did the bleeding stop? My dad vividly recalls my grandfather pulling out his watch, his pocket watch, and he said that was right about the time that he was being prayed for uh, over. And he said how quick they said it, it just stopped. It stopped gushing. It just stopped. So, yes, my dad was very impressed. He was about 15 years old at the time. And Which family um, traditions, like and, understanding and the power yes, of yes, the miracle. Yes, he got to God's see love. it happen. Um, yeah. And he said, oh, I never forgot that. So. I, I think people are going to love reading this book. Where, where can they buy Healing Traditions of South Louisiana? Where can we buy this? Well, you can, locally you can buy them at Beausoleil Books. Mm -hmm. You can buy them Downtown. at the gift shop at Vermilionville. You can buy them um, through the Acadian Museum. Uh, you can buy them through my husband's, oh, the Acadian Museum in Erath. Mm -hmm. uh, you can buy them at my husband's law office. Warren Perrin. Warren yeah. Perrin's law office. You can buy them at Beverly and her husband's construction company. What is that? Mm -hmm. It's Master Builders and Specialists, and that's yeah. at 106 Board Road. Okay. So I, I left some books there, too. And How you can buy they? them from us. How much are they? $35. Okay, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's just for Christmas. Right. For any occasion. I've had right. more than one people say, oh, this book yeah. is going to my grandmother or my great aunt because she's going to remember these. This mm -hmm. is going to mm -hmm. spark uh, right. memories within. I want to thank you both um, for making time for this. We could go on forever, but I really want to entice people to buy and read your book, Healing Traditions of South Louisiana. I have to say, you know, I've been here almost 40 years, and I came to understand the power of traitors. I knew the power of prayer kind of intellectually, but I've seen it in action. And uh, sometimes you have to see it right like Thomas. You have to see it to be a believer. But what you're doing is is 
changing people's lives. Let me end this podcast with a story. Okay. Okay. I met this man this past weekend at my son Andy Perrin's uh, art opening. He has a prosthetic leg. He has half of an arm missing. Uh, he has one finger on the other hand missing. And he was born this way. And he told me that his mother had taken him, and father, had taken him from one doctor to the other, just looking for whatever they could possibly do for him. Um, but it, you know, the future didn't look all that bright. So she, when he was about, I guess, two months old, she took him to a traiteur who prayed over him for these problems. And at his next doctor's appointment, the doctor was astounded. He said, I don't know what you did for your son, but previously he did not have a hip joint, so he would never have been able to wear a prosthetic leg. But now he has one. It's amazing. It's miraculous. I know. It is it's a, a, one of the most miraculous stories I've ever heard. Right. You're both beautiful. Thank you for what you're doing for our community, mainly for being you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, but also just loving our community. I know you both want to see the community grow and thrive. And I think to to move into the future, we have to know who we are and who we were. Exactly. And own and, and respect our ancestors so that we can, you know, benefit from the knowledge and also the tradition that the Acadians have, have cherished uh, for years. I want to thank you both. We've been listening to pull this out. We've been listening to Mary Broussard Perrin and Beverly Constantine Fuselet, authors of Healing Traditions of South Louisiana. I'd like to also thank our listeners for your loyal support. We couldn't do this without our sponsors who make our show possible. I'd like to thank Home Bank, Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital, Facet Group, and in particular Raider and Jason Sakura, who mixes our tape and makes it all possible. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can get Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also go to discoverlafayette.net, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and learn more. You'll see about 295 other interviews. It's, it's a treasure trove. Just, but thank you for making this so special. Mary and Beverly, thank you for joining us. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. 